Happy almost August, everyone. This is Dan Doty, and you're listening to the Everyman Podcast. Today's guest on the show is John Berardi. He's the co-founder of Precision Nutrition, an author, and honest to God, if if you haven't heard of John before, not familiar with his work, you, you are in for a treat. You're intellectually in for a treat. Your heart's in for a treat. There is a hell of a lot to learn uh, from this conversation and this man in general. I'm going to say a little bit more about John and kick off the podcast in a few minutes. But first, I'm going to share some Everyman news. We're officially a month in to our membership platform, and we are about to crest our first 500 members. And that is wildly exciting. What's even more exciting is the is what's happening inside. Uh, the interactions that are happening on a daily basis, I would say on an hourly basis right now, on how men are showing up and engaging digitally, engaging virtually in the exact same manner in which we do at the barn at Racebrook or at 29 Palms in California or out in the wilderness on our expeditions. Men are truly embracing the ability and the benefit of being vulnerable with each other in this way. It's kind of wild to see, to actually see it with your eyes. It's, you know, it's a different experience. Like you go to one of our retreats or you sit in one of our groups in person and this magic unfolds around you. And to see it actually happening in the moment, on screen, people writing, taking the time from wherever they are in their life, it's just, it's just wonderful. And that's just the tip of it. Um, we are doing drop-in groups, themed drop-in groups for members only. They're not all themed. But throughout the week, we have these workout sessions, these emotional workout sessions for an hour. When you're a member, you can sign up and come to them. And they're just they're just absolutely freaking crushing. We're doing things like breathwork sessions. We have we're start we pioneered a yoga class on Saturdays that's doubled in its attendance in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm running a fatherhood and parenting group for any dads to drop in once a week. And so we're starting to really break out and meet men where they are with what they need in the specific areas of your life. And it's, it's wonderful to be a part of. And these live events that we're doing are really, um, they're just exciting and they're fun and they're meaningful. Um, and I'm hosting a happy hour every Friday afternoon for members for an hour. We all just drop in and literally get to know each other. Do what you would do at a happy hour. And uh, it's just absolutely lovely. And then on top of that... This month, in next week, we are launching our virtual groups. So we're pairing men together. We're putting men into groups and giving them all of the tools and the guidance they need to have their own everyman group where they meet once a week. Um, and we finally have the technology and the back end and everything set up to truly support everyman groups in a way that we never have before. Um, it's, it's just, it's literally a dream come true. It's one part of this larger dream that's coming true now. Uh, and it's good timing because the world is scary and sketchy and things just do not seem to be like stabilizing. And um, personally, I'm a little I'm concerned. I'm just concerned with what's going on. But I do think it's good timing. This community is there. It's not expensive. It's very cheap. You can get an immense amount of support and solidarity and brotherhood and you can do your own work and you can heal and you can grow and you can find out what you want all together. That's a very uh, unapologetic advertisement for this for this membership platform. It's easy to find everyman.com. Just go right to the membership tab. Uh, it's twenty five bucks a month. We do have a pay what you can option. If twenty five bucks a month is more than you're able to swing, we have some options for you. So you can find out on the website as well. All right, John Berardi is he's one he's a hero of mine. I'm pretty lucky. I get to interview a lot of my heroes and a lot of people I look up to a lot. Uh, but John's a bit of a legend in a lot of circles. So his company, Precision Nutrition, it trains nutrition coaches. And here's just a little bit I know about it. It's massively successful, massively, massively successful. And, and you know, it got invested in or bought by, you know, I think close to 100 or 100, a couple hundred million dollars recently. Big, successful business. And it's all predicated on very, very smart thinking and smart knowledge and research on what it takes to form habits and what it takes to make decisions and how to, you know, wrangle this out of control life that many of us have, how to, you know, kindly, gently, but firmly make choices that are more healthy for us and build ourselves into 
you know, good, functioning, healthful uh, human beings. And John is a father with a lot of kids. He's a great businessman. He's a great writer. Um, he's just a solid all-around guy. And I'm really honored to have him on the show. And I hope that you get so much out of this that it just spills out of your ears. You can find John Berardi at johnberardi.com. That's J-O-H-N-B-E-R-A-R-D-I.com. Precision Nutrition is precisionnutrition.com. You can find us at everyman.com. And I hope you enjoy the show. I really want to start this conversation. First of all, uh, a flat statement of excitement. We've had a few touch points over the last few years. I am a, uh, 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 like, I would say there's a, there's a sober undertext to it, but I, I have an immense amount of respect for you. Um, in in what you bring to the world, what you what, how you uh, interact with the world and business and in other ways. So I just want to lay that out to start. But then let's start with you. Just sort of, I think in nine or ten seconds, you you gave a really important and really nice nugget of both personal um, authenticity, but also uh, it will help frame this conversation. So you said, as a introvert, you learn something yeah. important. You want to just start start us off there. Yeah, well, so um, in my field, right, exercise and nutritional biochemistry, there's this thing that people have talked about um, where if you, let's say you're interested in muscle building, right? Mm -hmm. You want to build big muscular arms, right? Uh, you don't go to someone who's always had big muscular arms and ask them, what did you do, right? Because they, it didn't matter what they did. They were genetically predisposed <laughs> to be good at that. You go to someone who had really scrawny arms and then built big arms. And then you say, what did you do? That's, that's what I need to learn from. So I, you know, I grew up an introvert, right? And so social interaction was painful for me, exhausting mm. for me. I remember my mom was at my earlier memories. Like my mom was kind of a shopaholic and she would take us to the mall to shop all the time. And I remember getting home from the mall and having to go in my room and draw the, the curtains and just sit in the dark for an hour afterwards. I didn't wow. know what the heck was going on, but it was just from the overstimulation of sounds and lights and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, so that kind of describes my, my growing up. So then being around people wasn't easy. And I, as I mentioned to you, like the linchpin for me, the thing that, you know, becoming better with people hinged on was this one fundamental understanding because I was always scared to talk to people. And, mm. you know, there was obviously the consequences of being around people, which made me exhausted, but then the nervousness of what am I going to say to people and strike up conversation. I'm not good at this. And, um, and I remember it was, it was on one trip in my early thirties where I sat down with a guy who I had never met before. And someone had introduced us and said, you guys should sit down and talk. And, um, I just asked him what he was really excited about right now. And the, the conversation lit up and we're still friends to this day. And I was like, it, it was like a gobsmacked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is this all it is? The literal secret to connecting with people and having meaningful conversations that they enjoy and walk away from going, damn, that John Berardi is a interesting guy. And it's a conversation that I enjoy too is as quickly as possible getting to what they're excited about, what yeah. they're charged up about. And the chances are, if they're charged up about something, it's not boring for you. No. Right? There's a small chance it'll be, yeah. but the probability is higher that you have a good conversation, that you strike a meaningful relationship. So I literally that day was like the turning point in my social life where I was like, this is all, this is like a, if there's a life hack, which I, you know, most people don't like that phrase and I don't either, uh, this is it, yeah. but it's not a hack. It is true, authentic connection. Yeah. And so that, that for me just became the thing about how to be with people. And that's really been the theme of my work in life over the last 30 years. You know, you can call it coaching, you know, now as a parent of four children, um, you know, you can call it parenting, you know, mm. having yeah. run companies, you could call it leadership. But uh, I think all of those are uh, too granular a view of what we're trying to do here, which is be better with people. That's the thing, right? That's what we're all striving for in leadership and parenting and coaching. It's 
how do I be with people effectively and successfully? And this is like the first major lesson. How do I be with new people that I don't know? So that, that one was just huge for me. Yeah, I love it. That, that cuts right to the heart of a lot of things. So did we, did the macro and the micro fit? Is, there, is that what you're lit up? I will go right to it. So what are you most lit up by today? Or, or, and, and I'm curious how that fits into that nugget that you just shared. Like, mm-hmm. like how, how, ha- I mean, we could go like a, the long version of here. So how did that, you know, how did you implement that in life? And I think that's interesting too, but I'd rather hear. Yeah. What, yeah. what, what are you, what is moving you? Well, you know, it, it's actually unfolding right now for me, which is interesting mm-hmm. because for a really long time, I ran this company, you know, called precision nutrition, uh, yeah. My part, business partner and I started this company many moons ago, around 2002 was the earliest iteration of it. But in uh, late 2017, we sold the company. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that had been, you know, it was a nutrition coaching education and certification company, still is, um, and still doing extremely well. Um, but that's what I poured it, you know, everything into for the longest time. It was all, all my time pre-kids and post-grad school. And, it, you know, it was, it was my energy. It was my passion, all of that kind of a thing. And then, you know, the opportunity came up to sell it. But, but we didn't sell just for the sake of selling. We sold because it was the right thing to do for the company. It was getting so large that two individuals and their net worths, you know, Phil and I couldn't even support one month of salaries and expenses if anything were to go wrong. And, you know, people always talk about the theoretical anything going wrong. Well, most people are living the anything going wrong right now. Yeah. Right. With uh, COVID-19 and businesses shutting down and all that kind of thing. You know, so for us, we were like, Hey, we would love, and this is how we framed it to have a deep pocketed financial partner, Mm -hmm. like-minded to run this thing and take it where it needs to go. If anything were to go wrong, they have a bank account to support it. We don't, right? Yeah, so we yeah. partnered with a $5 billion private equity company. And, you know, that set PA in on its new course, which left a really interesting space for the two of us, right? I mean, this is what we've done for so long. This is my training. This is my passion. Um, what do I do next? You know? And so yeah. really the, um, I'd say the two things that have emerged from that, you know, sitting in that space of, I don't need to force this. I don't need to start anything new. I don't need to rush into the next entrepreneurial venture. Just what do I need right now? Who am I right now? And what would be fulfilling um, has allowed me to just play around. And obviously the money from the sale has allowed me to not rush into anything new. And so really the two things that have emerged are, you know, number one, you know, a couple of people said this to me, and I think it's the thing you talk about with people who sold their companies, which is, you know, hey, you're not really the kind of person who can just sit around, right? Like, yeah. what's, your ne- what's the next thing you're going to start? Yeah. And, and the answer for me was just, um, I want to invest my time now in becoming the kind of person that could just sit around. Good for you, really. You know, that's amazing. Like I, if I start something in the future, I don't want it to be because there's a hole in my life because I'm not doing business. You know what I mean? I want it to be because it's a choice. It's something I'm running toward rather than away from, you know, that other sentiment, you know, being the kind of person who can't sit around is a running away from, it's a running away from boredom or whatever it is, whatever the black space is that um, makes you feel like you need to fill it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not to say I'll never do anything again. It's just to say, how can I become the kind of person that isn't compelled to do something because of a lack, but is doing it because of a choice. So that was part one. And it's what I'm really excited about now. John, is it, would it have been fair to say that what drove the growth, the growth of PE, were you wildly ambitious? I mean, was that, was that you and were you just this is, was drive and ambition were those, you know, I, I would say, yes, I would say to, to a large extent, yes. You know, but it, it, you know, I grew up in an immigrant family. My parents were born in Italy and they immigrated to the U S. Um, and, uh, I grew up with a chip on my shoulder, really, you know, we okay. were, we were poor, you know, my parents, yeah. the, where they were born, there was no running water and electricities in their homes and things like that. So, you know, I, and I grew up uh, in a little tiny apartment above a garage, you know, and so, for me, um, you know, but my parents 
worked hard. And that was one of the, like the work ethic and drive and discipline uh, that I saw growing up was uh, unparalleled. You know, I, it, the entrepreneurial community tends to fetishize how hardworking entrepreneurs are nowadays and how yeah. difficult it is. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you should have grown up around some immigrants. You know what I mean? Like this is normal. This is like what yeah. work is. Uh, I saw people working three jobs and, you know, parents not coming home until children are in bed every night. And um, so it was kind of my upbringing. Uh, I also spoke with a thick Italian accent growing up and I was made fun of a lot. So I, 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 I call it my, my sack of grievances, you know, through my youth and teenage years and early twenties, I, I walked around with this sack of grievances flung <laughs> sure. over my shoulder and I would use that as fuel you know, to prove to the world I was worthy and to uh, achieve accomplishments and things like that. And I've reflected a lot on it in the last few years. Like, what did that mean to my progress and development? And is there an alternative path? You know, because fortunately, at some point, I was able to set that down, right? Put the put that bag down and go, I, I don't actually need that. Like, that doesn't have to be the fuel for success and accomplishment and meaning. Um, it was just one fuel that, yeah. that I used based on my history and background, you know, it, it made me not a, a great person to be around all the time. You know, sure. I was wounded and injured and, you know, um, and also uh, when your life is fueled by grievances, by having to prove something by the chip on the shoulder, it really um, can take a toll on the people around you. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. So you're, you're basically uh, yeah. chest is stumped up telling the world, Tell me I can't do something. You know, and this is your loved ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, did you just say I can't do something? Watch this. You know, and they're like, well, you know, I was, I was just trying to express love or caring or gratitude, you know? So, um, so it was a challenge. Uh, so I would say that was, you know, phase A of my part one of my sure. life's ambition and, and what drove it. And, you know, now, now there's a whole different perspective to it. Um, but I would say a, a long part of my life was that. So I, I did want to achieve things. You know, I remember when I went away to university for the first time and, uh, and I had been a competitive bodybuilder in the nineties and I had won the Mr. USA contest in 1995. And I walked into, uh, it, over the course of two successive days, I walked into a guidance counselor. Um, and I told him I want to work with athletes in professional sports and all this. And he's like, ah, oh, that's not for you. There's not many jobs there. You'll probably never make it. So I just threw that right in the sack. That was, you know, and, and oh, wow. So, yeah. And I, uh, when I ended up doing that, you know, I, yeah. and I ended up writing the guy and being like, thank you so much for giving me the fuel to achieve this, which is kind <laughs> of a dig, right? Like, ha, ha, showed you wrong. And then the next day I walked into, um, uh, a class and uh with this one teacher and um she i think she was she was making fun of me for being a big dopey muscle guy okay right? and uh and i was like oh yeah you know what i mean it, none of it hurt me at that point i was like oh i and i remember these like they're yesterday because that was who i was i was like oh yeah. bring it on you know what i mean like <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna get a hundred in your class now just to show you what the big dopey <laughs> muscle guy can do you know and so I'm so glad I'm past that point in my life. But when I meet young men, mm -hmm. and women who have that uh, kind of a thing, I really have a soft spot in my heart for them because I know, I know what it's like and I know where they've been and, and I know that it can work. And I know that there's fallout of it. You know, yeah. there's emotional yeah. and physical and social fallout. I am. Yeah, I'm really lit up by the one of your two sort of buckets being becoming a guy who can who can sit around or or however you the exact language I forget how you frame that. How is that going? How how is that going? Well, you know, there's there are two parts to uh, you know a, a way of being. Right, one is the saying that you're you're making progress or what you're working on or whatever, sure. and then there's the second, which is the sober. Uh, reality test. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can be like, I'm a guy who's working on blank. Right. And then you get quarantined with your four children and your wife in a house in <laughs> a rental house in Arizona, which is what we're doing right now. Right. We, yeah. we uh, came down to Arizona, spend a couple months of the winter where we live in Canada now uh, most of the year. And then 
COVID-19 thing happened and the whole state shut down and we can't go home. We were supposed to go home in, in March and uh, they've, you know, the Canadian airlines have closed all flights between Canada and the U S until June. So, wow. so um, the universe has provided me the opportunity to test this idea that I'm getting pretty good at sitting around. You know what I mean? And I always love moments like that, although they might not always be comfortable where you get to test the uh, intellectual reality of the progress you're making against real reality. Right. And so it's going well, it's going well, you know, like we are, we're here, there's six, you know, people in this house, six wills. Uh, we're, I, I'm doing really nothing but uh, being with them. You know, uh, yeah. I have one day a week set aside to do a podcast conversation or something like that. But I mean, we're doing homeschooling and we're doing home phys ed and we're doing home family. And so I, I'm the kind of guy who sits around right now, not doing much of anything professionally. And it's going pretty well. And, and pre- COVID-19, because we got down here in January, that my intention was to uh, have a true sabbatical, right? So okay. yeah. uh, the kids were doing school down here. So they go to a Montessori school back at home. And, and so we have them in a similar one down here. So January and February were just, you know, Amanda and I dropping them off at school. Then we'd go for a workout or a hike, uh, have lunch together, uh, do whatever need to be taken care of at home or whatever, and then go pick up the kids and spend all the evenings together. And it was glorious. It was beautiful. Amanda and I mm. were connecting in a way we hadn't for 10 years since our first was born. Mm. And uh, so I was really living the uh, whatever non-professionally ambitious life. Yeah. And I kept saying to people, uh, and now it seems like a strange omen, but um, I kept saying, you know, it's going so well right now. I'm really enjoying it. I just have to make sure that I don't take it for granted because life always hands us changes, positive yeah. and negative, yeah. and that I don't clutch on too tightly, right? So taking yeah. it for granted is uh, I'm not clutching on at all. And clutching too tightly is this can never change. Ah, you know, you, you're mine, yeah. my precious, right? Yeah. And, and I kept saying that. And then like, you know, three, four weeks later, uh, it changed, you know, so the kids are all off school and the routine is all disrupted. And now we're all together in this house and it's fundamentally different. So, I I mean, I'm working on, you know, five months of, you know, pretty much absolutely nothing. And, uh, and it's going pretty well, you know, and I still have growth to do. I still have work to do. I still need to find some time in the day and space for meditation and because you know what people have called the monkey mind still runs away from me as it does everyone else you mm-hmm. know start mm-hmm. thinking 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 you know i ought to be i should be uh but for the most part it's it's great and and i don't have any burning desire to like rush back to professional projects just because professional projects are what i do you know that's wonderful i mean it's it's inspiring and, and it's 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 uh it's amazing to hear that um what, so what was the second bucket? So that, that, that was one of the, the two things that are moving you and lighting you up. What was the second? Yeah, the second is, is kind of an interesting thing that I obviously wouldn't have known that I needed prior to this phase of my life. But, um, you know, one of the things that sort of categorized my work at Precision Nutrition is that I was kind of an expert in my field. In, yep. in, so in the business. And I was a leader and decision maker in the business. And so there was this fusion of kind of experience in the field plus leadership. So making decisions was built on expertise, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, now that I'm no longer working, you know, with PN and for example, I have money to manage and, you know, uh, a state to plan and other various projects that, that I'm kind of working on, whether they're investments or things that I'm involved in. Um, I realized that I have to get really good at a new skill, which is making decisions from a place of non-expertise, you know, and it's totally new for me. And so this was categorized by a moment where after we sold the company, you know, I put together an advisory team and I go, you know, we live out in the country outside the city 
on a 10 acre property. And um, so I drive into Toronto, I drive into the big city and uh, I ride up the elevator, to the top of the Scotiabank tower, you know, and um, I'm sitting in this room with like 12 people who are in their fifties and sixties um, have done what they do for a really long time, all wearing suits, all serious professionals in domains I know almost nothing about. So it might be wealth management, it might be insurance, it might be tax, whatever. And I'm sitting there going, I'm expected to make a bunch of decisions uh, based on uh, no knowledge right. of any of these subjects. Now, w- one thing you can do is just tap out and go, all right, experts, tell me what to do. I'll just do whatever you say. But one of the characteristics of how I've made decisions historically is I bring in experts who disagree on purpose. Mm. You know, so I go, Hey, uh, Mm. here's a challenge or a problem to solve that I've never faced before. Uh, I'm going to bring in three people and I'm going to interview them. And I want to find three people that disagree. Yeah. And then I want to ask them like, why? Okay. So your friend over there said this, now you're saying this, I'm curious what the differences are. And in the differences where you get the most learning and you become able to make better decisions. Right. So now you have an area where you're having three people disagree and you don't know anything about it. How are you to choose? So I realize this is just a next leveling up of my life where I have to work on, you know, a framework, a mental emotional framework for doing this. And then also have to get reps at doing this. Um, so, you know, and, and that extends to other projects I'm working on too. Like uh, my father-in-law has been a uh, farmer most of his career. So mm. he, he was um, he inherited about 200 acres of farmland from his dad, and he grew it to about 2,500 acres. And then he started doing residential and commercial real estate development. So I'm doing some projects with him on that. And so now I'm walking into the space, you know, real estate development. I don't know anything about, and it's just all these little, you know, um, I um, ever since our oldest was born, I've kept this document on my desktop computer. Uh, called dad's thoughts. And it's like a series of lessons that I want to teach the kids when they quote unquote, get older, you know? Sure. And then I started getting annoyed with myself thinking like, well, I'm just doing what everyone does. There'll be a perfect future where I do the thing that I ought to be doing right now. So I'm like, forget this. I'm going to turn these into a series of children's books because they're at this age now. And I want to teach this stuff to them now. So I'm, so I'm writing children's books now. So there's all these things that I don't have any expertise or experience in, but I have to decide on. Yeah. How do I become excellent at decision-making in areas where I don't have expertise? So I think it's a fundamental life skill for everyone. You know what I mean? Everyone who's willing to step out of their comfort zone in any yeah. capacity. Yeah. And it's been really interesting to pursue that. You know, how do I, I know I'm good at decisions in this domain over here, mm-hmm. areas where I know a lot. Mm-hmm. How do I get good at, you know, compiling experts, asking, listening, you know, getting the right questions, pitting experts against each other in friendly, collaborative ways, and then coming up with, you know, the wisdom to filter and decide, you know, so that's kind of part two of what I'm really, really excited about right now. I mean, that's, that is such a central and incredibly important human uh, skill set. I mean, I, I'm thinking about listeners. I'm thinking about people who are um, out of their depths for whatever reason right now, whether whether it's short term because of COVID-19 or whether it's, you know, a guy who's um, still struggling to find his career or, you know, whatever it is with somebody feels um, decisions outside of a comfort zone, outside of a, a skill set yeah. Is there, have you gotten deep enough into it to distill down any, any qualities or, or, or any helpful direction on it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, and bringing up what's happening right now, like COVID is, is a great example because there's all kinds of conflicting messages and the media yeah. and different states are doing different things and the different governments are doing different things. So this is the perfect example because ultimately you have to decide like whether to leave the house or not, whether to go to the grocery yeah. store or not. What do you want to do with your children when schools open up again? And that's on you, right? Like, mm-hmm. and this was the one thing I was unwilling to do, like outsource the decisions relevant to my life and our family's life 
to someone else. And that's mm-hmm. what I was talking about earlier. You know, you get a wealth manager and you go, what should I do? Okay, I'll do that. Well, that's outsourcing to someone else who may not share the same goals and values as you, right? I've been guilty of that. That's, yeah, it's, you, you're bringing up something that's personally meaningful in the present for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's easier to do, obviously. It's easier to go, yeah. dad, dad, tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and there, there's, no, there's no dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no one who knows. Yeah. Every decision has to be based on your own values and belief systems and very subtle, nuanced ways of viewing the world, right? And so that is what I, is the easiest thing to do. And it's what I'm unwilling to do, you know? Yeah. I want to think for myself using all the available great input that's out there. So, you know, um, the, the way that I sort of distill the framework for this to your question, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ray Dalio's work, but you know, Absolutely. Ray wrote this yeah. hugely impactful book called Principles. And uh, we had kind of have a personal story attached to that, which Phil Caravaggio, uh, my business partner, longtime business partner, is, is a guy who's been known to do these grand epic gestures, right? Mm-hmm. He's just famous for this. So principles from Ray Dalio used to just be a PDF on the website of the Bridgewater company. Um, and it was like a memo, like an internal memo on how to be in the world and how to make decisions if you, and think if you work at Bridgewater. Mm. And Phil came across this, read it, loved it. You know, we at PN have published books and online materials over the years. So we're really good at that. So he's like, it's rough, but the ideas in here are genius. Um, So what he did was he hired an editorial team, hired one of the best book designers in the world and created two copies of principles, like a professionally edited and designed uh, beautifully done, almost like the Bible, you know, with the gold leaf around the, and, and a, beautiful leather cover. And he made two, one for Ray and one for himself. And he didn't know Ray. Right. And so, I mean, he spent tens of thousands of dollars on this thing and uh, then just went about getting it to Ray, you know, with just a handwritten note saying, thank you for your work. This has really been meaningful to me. Um, I wanted you to have this as like a keepsake. So he ended up getting it to Ray and, uh, and Ray called him, uh, loved it. And uh, I think Phil was in Rome at the time. Uh, you know, his, he's comes from an immigrant family as well. So he often goes to Italy and spends time in the village that his family's from. Hmm. Ray lives in Connecticut. So Ray called him and said, uh, would you be willing to come to Connecticut? I'll send my private jet. Right. So he sent his jet to go pick up Phil, brought him out there. And he said, I want you to help me make this for the world. Right. So the book principles really stems from this. So Phil was kind wow, of a big story. So, um, so Ray has this framework he calls the believability framework, right? So when looking for advice, and we should all be looking for advice all the time on all the important decisions in our lives, right? Uh, the best ideas aren't in your own head. They live between the interface between you and other people. So Ray talks about the people then that you need to interface with are believable people, right? Mm. You know? If you're getting COVID-19 advice from the kid you went to high school with yeah. on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. uh, they might not be believable. So what is believability, right? So believability is, um, number one, the person has done the thing that we're talking about before, right? right? Yep. Successfully, right? Yep. So that's, that eliminates you know, 95% of people who want to give you advice, right? Have you <laughs> done the thing successfully? The yep. second is, have they done it repeatedly under different sets of conditions. Now in Ray's world, for those who don't know, he's a hedge fund manager, considered one of the greatest investors of all time. And so his was, you know, can you make smart investment decisions in varied conditions, market conditions, like right now would be, you know, an uncharacteristic market condition, but have you made good decisions in this kind of market? Have you made good decisions in an up market? So have you done the thing successfully repeatedly in different conditions and, and, you know, obviously change that around to whatever decision you're making and making sure this person has a track record over different sets of conditions. And then the third is, and this is the personalized part, does it make sense to you? So, and, and, and that can mean two things. One is like when you explain it, I get it and I can see myself doing it. 
Okay. And the second is, does it make sense in the context of my values in business and all that, right? Yeah. So this became really pivotal for me and I, and I began using it immediately and, and to great effect. It's, okay, cool. I need to stop just asking for opinions of the people who I call within arm's reach. You know, the people I know, <sighs> yeah. right? Yeah. So who do I know? All right, that person. Okay, I'll ask them. Well, maybe they're not believable enough. Maybe yeah. I need to extend my reach out to people who know more. And so that was one. It forced me to work harder at compiling my advice panel for important decisions. And then the second tier, you know, so get believable people right. was this uh, get three people and compete them. You know, so there's a great example that I write about in my book where Phil, um, he bought this space in Toronto that is sort of like a co-working space, like social space. It's this really cool building. And, um, and so he wanted to put like a world-class coffee bar in there, right? Um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he loves coffee and he lives in the part of town that is a little bit hipster, you know, in Toronto. And, yeah. and so there's, you know, organic meats and artisanal cheeses and the great coffee around the corner and all that. So he wanted to put one of those in the building. And so what he did was he found three people who know coffee, right? So one guy was like a world champion barista and another guy's like a really famous coffee uh, device maker, right? And so he interviewed all three and said, here's my goals. Here's what I'm trying to do. What's, what should I, how, should, how would you go about doing this? And then what he did was where they disagreed, he would call them up again and say, hey, you know, such and such guy said this, right? Mm. And what emerged from that was really interesting. So one of the guys said, oh, yeah, I know that guy really well. He's fantastic, right? What he values most, and, and I can say this because I know him, what he values most is a consistent cup of coffee, right? Okay. So it doesn't matter what altitude you're at or what the water <laughs> conditions are. The coffee tastes consistently excellent. Okay. And so then he uses technology to smooth out the curve, right? So that's why he would go this direction. And then when he asked that guy about the other dude, he said, oh, that guy? That guy's really interested in subtle differences between coffees, right? So for him, he doesn't want to smooth out the curve. He wants to lean into the differences, right? So it, coffee doesn't have to taste the same all the yeah. time as long as it like uses the innate flavors of the coffee, whatever. If you're not into coffee, this just sounds like a bunch of crap. But uh, <laughs> the point being by getting three believable people and then asking them why they didn't say the same thing, mm -hmm. you find out, a, you get like a deeper picture into their value systems. And then you can decide which value you align most with, right? You Phil made have never thought like, oh, wow, you know, altitude has a barometric sure. pressure sure. affects the coffee. Really? I didn't even know that. So you get this tremendous learning experience. But then you also get to decide better, right? This makes you a better decider because now you're like, oh, okay, I have to sit on this. I didn't know that I needed to make that kind of decision. And the stakes are really low in the coffee thing, but the stakes get really high if you're an entrepreneur, if you're making a big career decision, if you're making a family decision, should I have children or not and get married or not? The big decisions of life um, are the ones where the stakes are very high. And it's really useful to bring in believable people and figure out where they're different. That'd be, let's game that one out just for fun. So if that is someone, I'm sure someone listening is, should I have kids or should we have kids now? So let's game that just for fun. What, what would, how would one go about uh, bringing in three believable people that aren't at arm's reach? Right. Okay. So um, the first thing you might think of, and, and again, we just play with this, right? So yeah. let's go like stream of consciousness. So the first thing you might think of is, well, let me ask some of my friends who are married, sure. right? Yeah. And so then the question goes, okay, but are, do they have a real expertise? And if they've been married multiple times under different conditions, you know, you're like, <laughs> what? Is that a positive or a negative? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how useful, meaningful that could be. Maybe yes, maybe no, right? Yeah. Are they thoughtful people? Do they know themselves well? Mm -hmm. um, and the, so then you have to go to who might have observed marriages under varying conditions, mm -hmm. right? So now we start thinking about counselors and therapists, right? Mm. Who, who might I talk to who has that kind of experience? Can I 
hire someone for an hour? Do I have a friend who knows a friend who I can talk to who has this kind of experience? Uh, can I pick their brain on this or can I actually get premarital counseling? Sure. I mean, because mm -hmm. uh, marriage is a process, not just a thing as any married person knows. So, and this has been so something that's always been important to me, therapy, counseling. Mm -hmm. um, I've done it most of my life and I do it before I need it. So before yeah. I got married, I went and found a counselor to uh, figure out what the characteristics and hallmarks of a successful relationship are like before I needed them. I don't want to go when it's broken. I want to go before it breaks and yeah. before we have kids. Can we can my partner and I see a marriage or a, sorry, a family counselor. So these are some of the things, you know, before we sold our company, can I see someone who's worked with people like that before, you know, not when I'm sitting in the muck of, Oh gosh, existential crisis. Right. But prior to that. So that's how I start to think about this, right. Should I get married? Shouldn't I, you know, and, and it doesn't always have to be expensive. You don't need like a long-term counseling yeah. relationship necessarily. Yeah. You know, again, you could, you could, uh, and I write about this in my book. Uh, I call it the brain picking fee. I picked it up from a late colleague of mine uh, when I was younger. And he was like, you know, why would I read a book on a topic that, I, that I'm interested in that might help in my career, but maybe overkill? Like, I don't need yeah. to know everything that the expert knows. Yeah. Why would I just find out who wrote the book, call them, get, offer them an hour of brain picking fee. So, hey, what's your brain picking fee or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to pay you for your time for sure. And just ask them the questions that are most relevant to me in my work. Right. So you yeah. could do the same, go find a counselor, say, Hey, I'm not up for counseling right now necessarily, but I'd love to pick your brain for an hour mm -hmm. as I try and make this decision. A hundred, hundred bucks an hour, 150 bucks an hour. What, what's good. Right. And so you think about it and you're like, wow, 150 bucks an hour. But again, we're talking about one of the most important decisions in your life, right? So if you had to pay 150 times, 450 bucks to help make an informed, thoughtful, um, really doing the work decision, that's probably a pretty good investment. I could probably find 450 bucks to invest in that. So that's how I think about that, you know? Is it a counselor? Is it someone who, uh, you know, is it a priest? Is it someone in your faith community who's advised lots of, uh, married couples. Right, right. And then, and then maybe it could be someone in your inner circle who lives in your community, who you know is a thoughtful person, who's mm -hmm. had a successful marriage for 80 years, you know, and you can ask really meaningful questions of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes you talk to someone who's been married 80 years and they give you kind of flippant little jokes, you know, not to be mean, but just because it's yeah. cute and funny and that's how you be. Um, but someone you could actually dig deeper than that and say, no, really, like, that's a great yeah. joke, har har. But what are the little things that have added up to a successful marriage that uh, people wouldn't normally think about that you might not normally tell others? So that's yeah. why I might think about that one. I love that. When and I'm curious for you personally, is there a point in these decision making processes? Do you? Um, is there an elevator you ride down to your gut or your heart or places? Are these, are these like full spectrum decisions? Are you, do you lean 90% rational or is there intuition involved? How, how does that yeah, go for you? I, I love that. That's a great question because um, the first thing that occurred to me, I was like, as you were talking there, I was like, oh, that's so good. And uh, I don't think about that as a dichotomy at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, because every decision we make is, emotionally informed yeah. you know what i mean like we we're we're like post-rational creatures i've heard people say yeah you know, words we make emotional decisions and then we use our reason to justify why we did that thing right <laughs> yeah. and, and that's largely accurate right yeah. even if we try and do rational criterion make a pros and a cons list or whatever right what we end up doing is you know just trying to convince ourselves to do the thing we kind of wanted to do anyway mm. and does that make it bad no no, because sometimes that those quick snap subconscious pre-rational decisions are the ones that are most in line with our value systems. Mm -hmm. um, the, and, and I often think they're the things that give me the best clues about my value systems, right? You know, in the book, we have a bunch of exercises on, you know, uh, as you march forward in your career, how to uh, unpack and learn more about your purpose, your unique abilities and your values, right? Cool. 
And the thing that I talk about is um, you can't know them alone. It's impossible because we're these strange mix of emotions and reason. When you go to write down what your values are, you're wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. You need other people. It's the same thing I was saying earlier. It's the ideas come in the interface between you and others, not in your own head. So sitting uh, with your notebook is only going to get you a small portion of the way. The exercises that, you know, I walk people through involves the people closest to them. They have to answer questions too. And then you triangulate your answers plus theirs. And and now you're starting to scratch away at all the bullshit of the constructs that make up who we think we are and get to the real thing. Like what do people rely on you for? What do they trust you for? What do they, what do they count on you for? Would they say these things that you wrote down as your values are the things you value? You know, yeah, what I mean? uh, two two thing too. Well, I noticed that on the Change Makers website, the uh, the meetups and and the the mm-hmm. interpersonal nature of them that that really excited me. The two things that come to mind as you say that. So, uh, you know, one of my hats is as a, a leadership coach, executive coach, and we yeah. do really in depth three sixties, right? Yeah. So you get you get these like very pointed, very robust, really amazing. It's an amazing process to be part of. The other thing that comes to mind too is the just an everyman group where in a, on a often slightly more informal way, that triangulation and peeling back of yes. kind of the whole point, right? That's yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's why what you do resonated yeah. so much with me when uh, I first learned about it through Nate, you know, and, and yeah. uh, for those listening, Nate Green uh, was invited to uh, attend uh, one of the wilderness retreats yeah. and wrote about it for men's health and had just a really transformative experience. He, he came to stay with me right after. So it was really fresh. So he was out in the country with us telling me about it. And I was like, wow, I need to learn more about this. I need to meet Dan. So yeah, I mean, that's all resonated with me because of that one thing. Like I talk about this in business context as well. You know, mm-hmm. all of business is basically three things. Uh, know what people want and are willing to pay for, Hmm. do something remarkable to deliver it and then tell everyone about it. Everyone being the people who want that thing and the whole thread running through it, just like what we're talking about here is you can't know alone. You don't know what people want (laughs) and are willing to pay for. You don't know what's excellent, remarkable work. It's only integrating others into the process. And most people don't do it because it's an extra step. And because it's emotionally risky, right? Like asking someone, is this list that I just made up largely bullshit? Yeah. It's emotionally risky, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the fundamental core skills you have to build if growth is what you're after. The ability to relentlessly hunt feedback. You know, mm-hmm. I call it like stalking feedback. Mm-hmm. I need to be like sitting in the bushes, waiting for someone to come by and be like, tell me something that's hard to hear. You know? And every moment of my life has to be that for me to yeah. get the truth. Right. And, and what they tell me might not be the truth, but the truth comes from enough exposures yeah. to people telling you honest, authentic things, and then you searching yourself. So, you know, when we look at values, it's that, when we look at unique ability, it's that, mm-hmm. when we look at purpose, it's that, you know, I've worked in the health and fitness field when people, what's your purpose? Well, I'm here to help people. Wrong. It's not, that's not it. There's so many ways to do that. Why aren't you a paramedic? You yeah. help people more directly, more yeah. quickly in that way. So that's not your real purpose. You know, it's too general, too vague. Um, and, you know, and that's what we do with our stuff. It's help people get past that. It's what you do. How yeah. do we, you know, you call it the layers of the onion, the outer layer, layers, uh, it's not going to be necessarily wrong, although it could be. It could just be too surface, right? Yep. Yep. By definition. Mm-hmm. And so that's, um, that's why I think it's just so important and so interesting, right? Like how can we get people to that place uh, where they're really learning through others mm-hmm. um, who they are, you know, and what they need to do next? Yes. So – I'd like to kind of compile that with how we started the the podcast 48 minutes ago. Um, You know, that, that direct uh, link of connection or fire that like when you ask somebody what they're lit up about and and boom, they give it to you. And and so you have created connection there. I had the thought ran through my mind as you said that 
the thought was, yes, that works amazing. And that's like, that's like the lowest hanging fruit, right? Like to, yeah. to give that excitement energy connection is great, but the feedback and tough conversations and the uncomfortable truth does that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, what a, I mean, we're, yeah, we're kinda... I, I can imagine in all the groups that you've led and um, retreats that you've done, you've just seen it over and over again. When you get to that point yeah. where someone says, I'm not sure you're telling the truth here. There's something (laughs) deeper, right? Like all the facade just crumbles, right? And, you know, this is when uh, men who haven't had a physical affection with other men for maybe their whole lives break down and hug each other. And, you know, it's just powerful moments. I totally, totally agree, you know, and how fast it can happen once we're allowed to drop the facade, you know? And once someone yeah. says, yeah. hey, stop, this is a place where we don't do bullshit with each other, yeah. right? This, yeah. is, this is the place where we're just gonna go into the real thing. Yeah. And how fast people are like, oh, I was terrified of this, but it's what I needed all along, you know? Yeah, the, I, you know, and I, I'm still sort of compiling or searching for the right language to talk about this. I'm curious, like, how do you, and and maybe it's maybe it's a hundred percent in change makers, but how do you serve that to people? As in, is it as simple as what you're thinking is the outer shell of the onion, and it's too surface? And and if you want traction, if you you know if you want to get where you're going, you need to pierce down to the heart of it. I always say something like, you know, our feet aren't on solid ground right now. Like we're not going to get purchase unless we mm-hmm. you know sort of like dissolve our way down onto something more firm. How do you? Yeah, that to people. What one of my unique abilities and strengths has been to go, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I have minors in philosophy and psychology. I'm deeply interested in how the mind works and how historical thinkers have thought about things. And um, so for me, um, I love starting at the philosophical place, but I've learned over the years that this is, doesn't help most people, right? What yeah. I need to do is drill down to a series of skills that I can help them build. And so I have this framework that I use for everything. Hmm. Um, it's sort of the goals, uh, skills, practices model is what I call it. Cool. So what you do is imagine like a, a flow chart, right? A branching flow chart. So at the top, you write down the goal, the thing you want to achieve, right? And then you go, yeah, but you, no one achieves a goal by just having a goal, right? I want to learn to play the guitar. Great. Nothing's happening <laughs> until yep. I build up certain skills to my fingers have to do certain things. I have to get a nervous system sort of response. You know, when I see a note, it has to turn into where a finger goes on a thing. It's complicated, right? So what I do then is I find the people who know what the skills are to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And I help them uh, or I have them help me come up with the curriculum, right? So, but knowing the skills isn't meaningful either. You need to practice something every day. So you imagine goals at the top, then a series of skills. Let's say there's six of them over the next six months that I need to build. Mm -hmm. And under each skill is a series of practices that I have to do each day to build that skill. And then the skills have to come in the right order and the practices have to be done in the right way. I mean, you know, Precision Nutrition has coached, you know, a couple hundred thousand people through health and, and fitness goals. And this is what we did. We created a curriculum right? Mm -hmm. It was what thing has to come before what other thing and let's build these skills over time so that whether you're following through with your diet and exercise plan or not is irrelevant. You for the rest of your life have these skills that you built through daily practice to be able to go get the goal whenever you want it. And so that's what I think of. I mean, I'm learning to play the piano now. So this is what I'm doing right now. Very cool. Uh, our daughter's been in gymnastics since she was one. And I, I remember sitting with the parents when she was about two and a half in the observation room going, this is kind of crap. Like all the adults are sitting in a room on their butt and all the kids are exercising. So I'm going into that room, right? So I talked to the head coach and I was like, can you do an adults class at this time? So I can do gymnastics yeah. while she's doing it. So she, she can see me exercising too. Yeah. And we'll recruit some of those parents over there and it'll be another revenue stream for you. And it's good all around. Mm-hmm. So they started that. And then I was like, okay, cool. Now I have to do gymnastics. I've never done this in my life, right? So, okay, I want to learn a backflip and, uh, you know, walking, handstand walking. 
cool coach what skills do i need to build to do that because yeah. it's not just practice backflips right there's a progression of <laughs> yeah. things that come yeah. before that right yeah. you do three or four backflips untrained you just land on your face and you never do it again right yeah. which yeah. is how most of us pursue goals isn't it right mm-hmm. we do we just try the hard thing over and over again um I'm going to run a marathon. I never run in my life. Well, I'll, I'll start practicing 26 miles. No, 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 <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think about this. So getting back to the original question, how do we do this with sort of self-discovery, right? With this idea of like unearthing our, our values. Well, we have to get at it through practice and skill development, mm-hmm. right? So how can I create a series of things people can do? And so, you know, and that's what's unpacked in the book in the mm-hmm. career chapter, uh, we talk about how to develop purpose uh, and, and not develop it per se, but uncover it because, and, and we start with the superhero origin story, right? Like what yeah. radioactive spider bit you to give you this, whatever superpower <laughs> that you have today, yeah. you know, whatever you're on fire about, you know, um, I was talking with a friend the other day. He's a white guy who um, has a deep, um, discomfort with uh, racial tensions historically, Mm. right? Mm. Uh, Particularly with black and white. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's so interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you get a white kid from the UK, you know, who then moved to Canada, like impassioned about this particular subject? What radioactive spider bit you and made that thing for you, right? That can help us start uncovering your purpose. So we, we start with um, that, right. Your the superpower, like what is the origin story, the super, mm-hmm. like the Marvel origin story for you. And then we can start doing a series of answering questions, doing daily activities that help you figure out purpose. And then we go to unique abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, great. This is your purpose. I've known a lot of people working at a company that shares their purpose that aren't doing work that they love because it's not their unique ability. Right. Cool. So, yeah. Then we do the same thing. We go through yeah. a series of questions. You answer these. 10 people close to you answer these. Now mm. we're going to figure out what the overlap is, right? And then we go to values, right? And there what we do is, you know, I give people a big list of values and what they mean. And I say, your first step, and this is not your last step, is going to be to pick which ones resonate with you. Uh, write down 10 and you're going to have to pare that down to three. What are your top three values? Okay, still bullshit though. All right. You're not close enough. Right now, what you have to do is reality test them. Right. So let's say I, I choose, um, you know, career uh, progress is a value and uh, adventurousness are values. Mm -hmm. fine. Right. Now I have to, I have to do like thought exercises. Right. So I go adventurousness. Okay. How do I pit these against each other and make them uh, unable to live in the same world so we can see which one's really the top. Okay. Oh, cool. That's fun. So let's say um, I just got my dream job offer and I have to start in June, but I had been planning a trip uh, to Thailand for June through August. Right. And I had all these great adventures planned. Which do I pick? Right. These two can't coexist. You either start <laughs> That's the so good. or That's you have so to good. go on the adventure. Yeah. Which one is really your top value? Then you run them by the people in your life. You say, hey, yeah. uh, I'm doing this exercise. I'm trying to get a better sense of my, my value system and how I'm living according to them. What would you say my top values are? Mm-hmm. You know? And then you can even go back and say, once you heard theirs without biasing them, here's the ones I wrote down. They don't match yours. Why do you think that is? I'm really curious here. Lean into this and learn a bit more about this. Like either you see me differently than I am, or I see myself differently than I am. You know, so it's this kind of collaborative process. It's not a thing you do on a uh, Friday that you've booked aside for PD, you know, personal development. This is a process that takes a bit of time, but it's worth the investment. So for me, sort of breaking things down into their most granular parts where we have like interaction with the world to get at these things is so crucial. And this is more than for me an intellectual exercise. I mean, back home in Canada, in my, in my workspace, in my office, I have these posted on the wall because I forget them all the time. What are my unique abilities? What should I be doing with my time? You know, who am I? What are my values? What's my purpose? Uh, Almost every day I wake up cloudy about those things again. 
That's know? so. Isn't that a remarkable state of human human reality? Isn't that crazy? We forget every every night. It's like we get a little yes. bit clouded. But um, our, you know, our teeth get dirty, so we need to brush brush every day. We yeah, need to shower yeah. the grime off. Yeah. Uh, and this is why people meditate. This is why Eastern philosophy yeah. uh, does a lot of what it does because it fundamentally recognizes that right. all the inputs from the world can be very distracting and our brains don't, aren't designed yeah. to stay focused on a, a thing like your purpose. You know? So we just need to brush and floss every day it, mentally, intellectually, emotionally so that we can get back to that. And for me, the greatest thing was just a reminder so if I'm ever feeling anxious, I just look at the thing on the wall and go, ah, oh, that's right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Does, does, the that. Book, does the book Changemakers bring a reader through that process? Or, it or does, is it, yeah. That's I mean, amazing. What, what, yeah. what I've done is I, I wanted this book to be a workshop also. You know, I wanted awesome. so, so um, all of the exercises are in the book and then we have a uh, free download of the over 50 um, worksheets, thought exercises, scripts, and activities. So when folks get the book, I send them to the website, they just download all the free stuff, cool. and then they can just use that as the companion. And, and if folks like to listen on audio, do the same thing. I, I recorded it myself, and I'll talk you through it while you do the exercises. So you know, for those who end up picking it up, there's some work to be done. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, you don't read this before bed. Uh, <laughs> and do nothing. It's not a consume book. It's a do book, you know, it's, nice. it's an action book. And so, yeah, I mean, one chapter is devoted to this and it, it really comes from a very, very personal set of experiences. This framework, you know, I developed with Phil at PN mm -hmm. because of a really dark time I went through, you know, I was running and this isn't an uncommon story, but I was running a very successful business that was doing good work in the world. It was, I was being extremely financially rewarded as well. And I was proud of the mission and the work we were doing, yet I was unhappy every single day mm. that I put my fingers on the keys, you know? Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? We had just had our third child. So it was probably some confluence of yeah. uh, discontent at work, plus not a lot of sleep, plus my life being, you know, uh, unfamiliar, you know, yeah. and uh, I remember writing down it. Like I, I have this notebook in front of me. I'm taking notes as we talk. So I don't forget to say anything that you bring up. And I've had these for years. And uh, in one of my notebooks, which I still have, I wrote down a list of ways that I could get out of the business. And one of them was suicide, like drive off a bridge mm. so the family gets some insurance money. And that was a sobering wake up call for me. You know, I, I hadn't done a in earnest suicide attempt or anything like that, but actually writing down, kill myself to get yeah. away from was enough for me to go, Hey, let me like rekindle relationship with a counselor and let me talk to Phil and this needs work uh, yeah. because yeah. I'm suffering here. And um, it's ridiculous kind of because uh, anyone on the outside looking in would think your life is phenomenal, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what, what, uh, you know, and again, now in retrospect, I have some clarity on it. Uh, what was happening was I was living my purpose, but not using my unique abilities. Wow. So I have this wow. set of things that I'm world class at, Yeah. but I was only using them 10% of the time. And the rest of the time I was doing things I didn't enjoy and wasn't yeah. that good at. Yeah. And so the resolution was, let's figure out what you really Mm. what your real purpose and values are and what you are world-class at. Mm. And then we had this quadrant system, which again is outlined in the book where you put in the time you're spending each week in one of four quadrants. One is uh, unique ability quadrant, which is uh, I'm good at this, love it. And it makes a difference. One is I'm not good at this, love it. You know, mm -hmm. one is I, I'm good at this and hate it and not good at it and hate it. <laughs> and when I did that, I was like, man, I'm spending most of the time in things that I'm okay at, yeah. but, but don't love. Yeah. All right. How do I shift my work? How do I put myself 80% of my work, not a hundred, but sure. 80 into that quadrant of love and then world-class at, and then it was like, how do we create a process for our whole company? You know, we, uh, when we sold the company, we had about a hundred full-time full benefits people, um, it's maybe 150 now. Um, 
how do we install a process so that our whole team is doing that? Like, wouldn't it be amazing if you had all these talented people around well, you? Well, Nate, Nate shared it with me a little bit. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. It, it is remarkable. It feels good to be in an org uh, yeah. where the person to your left and right is working in their unique abilities on the yeah. things that they enjoy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so that, that's where it all came from. And then I'm like, you know, for me, the book was really, hey, I just sold this company. I may not work in this field again. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, so I want to capture everything I think I've learned over the last 30 years and give it away, you know? So that's it. Like the exact exercises, the exact thinking, the quadrants, the, you know, here's what to ask your friends. Here's the scripts we use. Uh, I, I put in there a giveaway for free because again, I mean, this, this was the thing that made me cross off, kill myself from the list. So I was like, <laughs> this might help someone else, you know? <laughs> Well, you made one sale. I'm, I'm, that's my <laughs> next move after this call. Um, man, John, we, we really got the fire burning there. I have so many other things that I would love to, to ask you to dive into, but um, we will have to cap it there for, for this one. Um, you mean people don't want to listen to us for two hours? They, I actually think they probably, honestly, I think they probably do. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but probably. Um, <laughs> is there any, yeah, point us toward, um, I mean, the, where do we find the book? Where do we find PN? Where do we find anything you want to point us to? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, if, if yeah. some of the things we talked about resonate with uh, folks listening, uh, they can just check out the book Changemaker mm-hmm. on Amazon and anywhere else they buy books. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's out almost six months now. We're creeping up on the six month anniversary bit coming out. It's done extremely well. You know, fair warning. It, it was, it was written for my people primarily. So that's, health and fitness people or those who want to be, you know, so a lot of the examples I use in the book are that, but I've been told so many times now, like this is a universal how to be uh, better at business and life book. Um, You should, you should write it like that so that the fitness thing doesn't scare people away. And I was like, no, I'm cool. Like I'm cool. I wrote this for my people, but I think other people could get a lot out of it. You know, the career chapter talks about everything we just talked about. The reputation chapter talks about everything that could, you know, the stuff we began the conversation with, what, how do you build a a personal and professional reputation in the world where before you enter the room, people are excited that you're coming, you know, how do you do that in health and fitness? How do you do that anywhere? You know, so, um, you know, again, I I sold my company. I don't have to sell books. Uh, This is just me saying, here's what I think I learned. I hope it helps. Uh, So if folks want to check that out, they can. And then on the back end, I brought together a really cool team to uh, run a company called Changemaker Academy. And uh, the vision there is if you like the book and you want to go deeper, there's some things that, that maybe you can get involved in there. But again, don't have to sell that in any way. Just, uh, I'm just happy to share some of the things I've learned over the years, have a great conversation with you, and hopefully listeners get some value out of that. Man. Oh, check, check, check. <laughs> I think we did it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, John. I'm just really, uh, really lit up. I really am authentically lit up leaving the call. Um, so thank you. Thank thanks, you so Dan. much. I really enjoyed it. And thanks everyone who listened. Thank you for listening. What a guy. What a good dude. Um, John, again, is at johnberardi.com or precisionnutrition.com is the company he founded. You can find us at everyman.com. If you have not, do sign up as a subscriber for this podcast, be that on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you like to uh, get your podcast from and come check out our membership platform and you can get a taste of it by first coming to a drop-in group or a global community call that we do for free for the public every Tuesday night. All of that is on our website, everyman.com. Have a great week. Take care of yourself. Dan Doty signing off.